411 Live. Where you can learn about issues that affect us every day. State of World 411 Live. Real people, real talk. Made to help people in our community in every way. For your girl. Sex traffickers are good at identifying vulnerabilities and are experts at using manipulation tactics to persuade and control their victims. They identify a void and they go for it. That is a published description of sex traffickers, and I think it's a good one. Hello, I'm Beverly Taylor, and this is the 411 Live, Real People, Real Talk. We are committed to expanding the conversation surrounding human trafficking, specifically sex trafficking. We want to bring the topic to the forefront. We want people to discuss it, to look for solutions, and to help in healing for the trauma victims. Today, we have a very special guest. And as we talk to Nancy Yarbrough, who is the founder of Fresh Start Learning, I want to encourage you to... um, Write down your comments, send us your um, questions, suggestions, because you are part of this conversation. We are going to be talking about dating. Well, I should say the real title is, Am I Dating or Am I Being Groomed? And I know that that is an explosive topic but we will get into it, and we have the right person here to help us <laughs> navigate this topic, Nancy Yarbro. Nancy, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, it's my pleasure. We really appreciate it. Now, I'm thinking back. I met many of you know that I was a reporter anchor at Fox 6 News, and I met Nancy. Nancy, I'm thinking maybe over five years ago? Yeah, it actually popped up on my news feed, and it was like five years ago yeah. uh, that we first went out on the streets of Lisbon taking mm-hmm. those purpose-filled purses out. Yeah, yeah, and it's just snowballed. Now we have lunch together and coffee and meet just to chit-chat and send text messages, so it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Um, you have such a story, and over the five years, you know, I've, I've gotten chunks I've gotten a big chunk here, and I've gotten a big chunk here, but I've got you cornered, and we're, <laughs> we're just going to talk about it, because I think your story will help people who are going through it, okay. who are coming out of it, who know someone who is in it or coming out of it, mm-hmm. um, and I think it will help someone, and that's my purpose, and I know it's your purpose. Absolutely. I know it's your purpose. So let's just kind of go back because I have lots and lots of questions. And you tell me, you know, you're going too far or let's pull back. You let me know your comfort level. Hey, we say, then we pray. We pray and then we say both ways, right? There, I'm there ready. you go. Okay. I want to know that sex trafficking when did you get exposed to this? Uh, well, if you're talking about the knowledge of being exposed from the dating realm, I never knew I was sex trafficked until later on after the healing process took place. Uh, I got exposed when I was like 16 or 17 years of age when uh, this guy that was my best friend's brother and her brother had a 
he was already, you know, involved in the pimp life, pimp culture, and he had women. And I hung around them quite a bit, you know. And his her, his brother, his other brother, inspired to be one, and he his aspirations was me. And I thought, why not? You know, I was already involved with a lot of uh, mischievous behavior, but also I was still healing from all the trauma that was unresolved. So when his approach was, it's better for me to be a paid hoe than a broke hoe, it made a lot of sense to me. Why not get paid for something that somebody has already took in my innocence? Mm-hmm. I'm not in a real relationship. And if it's pleasing him for me to make money while doing this, then why not? Okay. So at the beginning, I was talking about that definition of a sex trafficker, identifying that vulnerability, mm-hmm. capitalizing on it. Do you think he saw in you, this is an easy target? You know what? Yes. It, Only because when we're talking about those that have been manipulated into exploitation, it is always in the best interest of somebody to watch for those vulnerabilities because all of us have them, you know. So it's not just like something on your forehead saying, oh, she's an easy mark. It's conversations that open up the door to what you will and won't do. So when your um, yes should have been a no then that means continue to go on. You know, Mm -hmm. if you ask me a question and I'm like, I'm not sure about it, he'll give me reasons why I should. And if those reasons outweigh my, you know, finite mind or my um, childlike mind, then of course I'm going to say, well, yeah, that sounds really good. So it's never an approach where it's like, okay, I know she'll do it because she's dumb, naive, stupid, or anything like that. It's more so that's having conversations that's pleasing in in a nice environment where it's intimate. Mm. That's what happened with me. Mm-hmm. That grooming process was real. Okay. You trusted him? Absolutely, because, again, he was my best friend's brother. You know, uh, I saw him hang out. I liked his style. He was, like, what, 12 years older than me. Like, he was the bee's knees, right? Everybody thought that he was so super cool. His name was Ray, you know, and so he was everything. And, and I wanted to be a part of his life on the exclusive, you mm-hmm. know, and because he invited me into that very special place, I thought then, you know, I wanted to learn more. What else can I, I learn about this lifestyle that I was way too young to be involved in, but very eager to know something more about it? Okay. And again, you were how old? 16 or 17? 16. Okay. Um, so that that first time that you got the money, what did that feel like? You know what? It was um, I first my first encounter was doing truck stops. So his brother's girlfriend actually showed me how to work the truck stops and they called us lot lizards out there. And we would learn how to do CB conversations, you know, and then get in the in the truck. And of course, it was fear first, you know, because I didn't know what to expect. But when I went into behavior, you know, you turn on the who I am out there, brown sugar, and I began to do what I needed to do at the end of the night after we came back and count money and to see the look on his face like she just got on for her first time and she did good. And hearing that applause, it felt good. You Mm -hmm. know, it felt good to know that I met the mark on my first try because I've always been very competitive and always wanted to right. get the applause. So when that happened, after the man handed me the money for the first time, a shame, of course, hits you because it's all I'm worth kind of thing. But then when you use your antidotes, your alcohol or your line of Coke or whatever you're using, that doesn't even matter anymore. You, you're about business. It's, this is business. And that's how you keep your mind where it needs to be. It's business, period. That was my other question is, what do you do to your mind to get through it? 
is business. It's, it's, it's nothing but business. It has nothing to do with feelings, catching feelings, emotions, mm-hmm. or anything. And if you are not, I have never met too many people that were able to go head on in this without having some kind of antidote to keep them, you know, from feeling those kind of feelings. And mine happened to be uh, cocaine and alcohol and some marijuana. But at the end of the day, you turn into this whole alter ego, you know, you're not yourself anymore, you know, and you and you play the role, you know, and, and that's part of making sure that you stay safe. You don't have any connections at all. I'm here to do this, this and this, and then I'm done. Now you do play the role while you're engaging in those sexual activities. Of course, you want to make the person that you're with make them believe that it's pleasurable for you, too. And you learn how to do that as well. So it's it's acting. It's definitely acting for sure. So as you go on, you gave you give him the money. Now here's the deal. That money, all of it goes to him? At the time we all count money at the same time, you know, so he was actually selling dope. Uh, so so he have his money at the end of the night of what he brought in. I have mine, and we put it together because it's family, right? Mm-hmm. So we're figuring out what we need to do. We're figuring out what the cost is for the hotel room. It's organized. It's so organized. It's unreal. Just li- thinking back on it, and I haven't been back in this place in a long time to right. just explain step by step. But we count mm-hmm. that money together. We figure out what we need to do for gas money, for food, for hotel stay, for outfits, for whatever the case may be, and then for his you know, extra income to floss, you know, or to re-up or whatever. It was all counted out in the cumulative. We were uh, together, so we don't have split money. If I needed anything, he got me what I needed. If I needed to have some money on me, say if he needed to go back to Rockford, because that's where they were from, he would leave enough money for me to take care of my food and other items that I might need. But anything that I made while he was gone, it had to be accounted for. So that separate pile of money he gave me before, kind of like an allowance, before he left, uh-huh. that's what I get to spend. Nothing of anything else that I accumulated while he was gone. Wow. And you abided by that. You didn't, didn't keep a little stash to I, the side? I didn't need to because I felt like he was being straightforward with me, uh-huh. you know, and he showed me all he had at all times. And there was nothing that I couldn't get when I needed it. So it seems like a fair exchange is no robbery. That's what the, the word was always said. And that was ingrained in you. A fair exchange is no robbery. You know, why fight against family, you know, you know, his family first, you know, Mm -hmm. and all of that. So that grooming process and that thinking that you're really dating this person is very real. That that intimacy and that intensity that actually happens is super, super, super at an all time high because you don't ever come down from wanting to get those applause. Uh, Oh, you did good, baby. You you, you, that this is my baby right here. And the the B word and all these other words and those endearing words that are not endearing. But to you, you want to hear them. And especially if you beat his brother's girl by making money. And she was a Caucasian girl. And I was on her turf and I came back with more than her. It was, you know, it was kind of like a time for us to, you know, applaud, like just like you would right. at a Packer game. That's the winner. You know, I, I'm the thoroughbred. I'm that girl to get that money. That's old live wire right there. All that kind of stuff was permissible and it was acceptable because that's what your heart wanted to feel loved. Did your family know? I don't believe that they knew what was really going down when I left out of town because it was just like weekend at first, you know, Um 
they knew my best friend, and she was quite a bit older than me, too. The questions that actually happened later on, they kind of knew that I started being more addicted to the drugs and alcohol. You know, I had a son at that time as well, and my mom and my sister would watch over my son. But I would be like, I'm going over for the weekend and go hang out and I'll be back or whatever. If as long as I paid what I needed to pay, it wasn't really that many questions that, mm-hmm. that I think should have been. But at the time, my mom was working. She was doing her own thing. My sister had her own life with her children. So it's kind of like what they say, hidden in plain sight. It, right. it truly is hidden in plain sight. Right. How did you keep yourself from getting pregnant? Was that a concern? You know, not really, because the first rule of the game is to talk them out of talking them to get in, right? So mm-hmm. you wanted to do more oral or more, you know, pretend and, and more role play than you wanted to extend the fact of it's time for you to, you know, to, right. to get in and be intimate that way. And especially if you had the guys that didn't um, really want to, but they wanted to because they had already started using the drugs with you and then they, they couldn't, right? So then you played on that too. So any angle that you could do to not have that, real intimate moment that you wanted to save for your man when you got home. Mm-hmm. That was that was stories to tell when you got back. Yeah, I talked that nigga out of blah, 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 whatever. And those are triumphant moments as well for those that are in the life. You know, some of that flat backing and what people talk about the most, that's not even the top part of what we do. Worrying about getting pregnant? No, because, again, you're not thinking of any of those things. Right. You're not thinking about STDs, STIs, getting pregnant, getting killed, getting shot, getting you know, none of that because you're in a cloud, you know. You're yeah. somewhere else doing business. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back, get back into this conversation because it's getting deeper. Stay with us. The 411 Live, your link to information. And now, here's your food for thought. When he said I could have everything I've ever wanted, I didn't expect it to slip through my fingers in a split second. I started out as a girl living a life of happiness with someone I believed I could trust. Then he twisted what I saw into a world of darkness. He took away my innocence, broke me down until I was no longer a human being, sent me into the streets to find date after date, bed after bed, so I could earn the cold hard cash he couldn't wait to spend. People think I'm a lost cause, someone just looking for a good time, when in reality, I'm being trafficked and they don't know the signs. This is only one example of sex trafficking. Maybe other victims can escape if everyone learns the signs before it's too late. For more information, visit the411live.org. Honey, if you look at that phone one more time over dinner, you won't finish your meal. Perfect. It was nasty anyway. What do you think of 41% of all Americans between 13 and 17 years old using Snapchat? Not worried? What if I told you Snapchat is the perfect platform for sex trafficking? He wants my body over Snapchat. What should I do? It's not like the picture is forever. They self-destruct. If you want to do it, I don't see why not. Does it make me look bad, though? He's offering you $100 for a picture. Easy money, girl. Snapchat made the 2016 Dirty Dozen list because of Snapcash and how it encourages sexual exploitation. Your children could be exploited on Snapchat and sex traffickers are monitoring. Are you? For more information, visit the411live.org. Welcome back to the 411 Live. We are continuing our discussion with Nancy Yarbrough. She is the founder of Fresh Start Learning. And we're talking about the whole grooming process and the sex trafficking trade. One thing that I wanted to ask you, um, you were saying getting that affirmation and the 
best friend's brother was kind of your pimp or trafficker, what we would call trafficker. At this point, were you thinking of him more as a boyfriend? Absolutely. And and that's one thing that when I'm doing any type of informational training or just letting people know like the hey, the beginning of what the grooming process looks like, Mm -hmm. nobody actually calls the man or the female that they're with a trafficker. Right. It's always, you know, your boo, your bae, you know, your Bonnie, your Clyde kind of situation. So, yeah, that was my man. You know, that was my baby. You know, so it wasn't no trafficker. You know, that was my dude, my nigga, you know, my ride or die. So that that's what he was to me. He was my other half of my heart. Right. Right. So how deep, you know, that connection it's strong. I'm taking it, right? It's surface level strong, you know, meaning that because you have a hidden agenda yourself, by that time I was hooked on cocaine and alcohol as well, and he was a supplier. So instead of going to the middleman, I had the man, you know, mm-hmm. so it was a give and take situation. So the, the bomb was as strong as the money, you know, right. and I found that out later, you know, but however... Him and I, you know, we got along really good, and he was somebody very special to me, for sure. Right. So you're out there. You are not um, – intercourse is not the aim while you're out there. That's reserved for the boyfriend, right? Yeah, intercourse takes place for sure. You can't get out of every situation, mm-hmm. but the main goal is just to um, accumulate as much money as possible in the time frame that they have with you. But the the objection the objection is not to have if you don't have to, right? You know, and and most of the men that I had interactions with, especially my first you know couple of months out there on the in the truck stop, was mostly oral, or they just wanted somebody to do you know um, the playing with or manipulating of their organ and some things like that right. or and some of them just wanted to talk which is a strange thing but they did you know they wanted to talk about things just want you to sit up in their truck in their in their bed naked and w- let them just touch you you know so it was all kind of different ways in which um to fulfill their fantasy right and you were that fantasy so whatever it was you were willing to do it for the sake of the end of the night so you get into this 1617 when do you say enough is enough you know what i don't think that i would have myself ever said it was enough as long as it was good right Mm -hmm. um until one day i was super high like i'd been up a few days and i went out to do our normal you know at the truck stops trying to make money but i was too tired i wasn't coherent i was you know and then one guy i got in the truck with he was like, you need some rest. Why are you out here anyway? So he he became that, you know, that breadcrumb of love that God sent through my whole journey, right? He was like, you need to get some rest. Now, I don't know this man, you know. I'm thinking, you know, it's time to get in this truck and do business or what have you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make it through. I'm going to muddle through or whatever. But he was like, you need to rest. And I went back and I laid down in his in his, in his his bed and went to sleep. Wow. Hours had passed and I got up and uh, he took me back to the hotel. Now, mind you, I had only did a few, a few dates before I got into his truck, so I didn't have a lot of money. But when I got back to um, the hotel room, in which he brought me to, I got out and I, you know, greet my man, you know, he's at the door and he knows what's up, you know, and I'm like, hey, what's up, daddy, or whatever. And uh, we go to the table and we do our exchange. He's looking at like, what's this, you know, and I'm like, man, I was so tired. Before I could get all my words out of my mouth, I was on the floor. Now, this is the first time I'd ever heard him call me that B word out 
out of not in the context of love or endearment. Mm-hmm. It was like the nasty B word, you know, and all the other things that shot out of his mouth. You playing games, my MF and money, da da da. You know, so it's like that was an awakening that now this is no game anymore. Like this is something else. And it took me all the way back to unresolved traumas. You know, the things that I had never talked about, my first experience of sex being raped, all those things came back like a fear moment. And I had never feared him before. But now I have this different feeling about him that I didn't know how to quite explain. You know, that Romeo had now became a gorilla, right? right. And I didn't under, I didn't get it. So I didn't hear the good job, baby, you know, and that hurt. So and that's the crazy notion about it. That hurt more than me getting hit. You wow. Know? It made me feel like I was out of pocket, like I wasn't mm-hmm. doing things like I needed to do it, but I needed to get it you right. You didn't please him. Yeah, I needed to get it right. You know, I ain't sleeping with He left. And I didn't get to sleep with him that night. It was a no cuddle. He didn't leave that. He didn't leave that bag on the table so that I can get, you know, get, you know, get my sick off or whatever the case may be. It wasn't the same that morning, you know. And after that, in my heart, I'm thinking, I'll never do that again. i got to make sure that I come home correct, you know. And that was the whole thing with my mindset change. This is not a lover's thing. This is a business, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like it changed my heart toward him, but I still remain compliant, but not compliant to the fact of I need your love and attention. Now it's more so I need your protection and strength and this bag that I get at the end of the night. So my whole affections changed. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So you you get the hit and it's a wake up call. Yeah. You do what you need to do because now it is really about business. Yeah. So then what what how how do we get Nancy the way she is now? Well, that's a whole nother how do you get five out, other things. How podcasts. do you get out of this? You you uh, you know what you start thinking about what you what you have for real Mm -hmm. like you know i I had a home i had parents that loved me i had a room at my mom's house i had a child man i had a life that i had not even discovered yet so i had a lot of stints of sobriety and one day that young lady the same one that groomed me the same one that was the brother's prized possession Mm -hmm. we got off one morning and they were in rockford but we had to come back to you know to our space and you know kind of you know get rest and eat and rest up for the night. But instead, she she said she wanted to take me home, that she didn't think I needed to be out there anymore. Now, I don't know whether or not jealousy had kicked in or a guy that touched her heart or, again, one of those breadcrumbs of love that says, mm-hmm. you need to come out. And she's like, I'm taking you home. And she did. You know, I lived right next door to my best friend at the time, too. So the brother knew where I lived, but she brought me home and he hadn't came back for the weekend. So he didn't know I was gone. He called. I didn't answer his phone calls and all of that. Right. So I'm at home and I found me a local dope man and I got my stuff and I'm upstairs at my mom's house getting high. And he started knocking on the door, you know, and that was a few days later. But he came knocking on the door and I looked out the top window and that fear, the same fear I had when he hit me. Yeah. Came again and I went in that closet and, and I sat down there and I was so afraid, like, oh, my God, he going to kill me kind of thing. But he left and uh, needless to say, he tried to come back into my life. But at that time, after that, I never had another trafficker. I had other men that, you know, that I played the role with to get money, but I never had somebody that was uh, the grooming kind of guy, Mm -hmm. the one that really didn't have any intent on doing anything else except for utilizing, you know, my innocence, my weakness and turning around for a capital gain. So I never went back to him, but I still stayed in a life. 
you know, I became the other side of what he was. So I started, you know, helping girls to understand the power that was in them. But that was still wrong. I never trafficked a girl that was under the age of 18 that I know of. Mm -hmm. But I did have girls that I did pull in by the same manipulation that was used on me. I would dress them and I would make them feel comfortable about themselves, give them the same rhetoric that I had received, but on a different level. You know, I never, yeah, but never put my hands on them. Never, I gave them free choice. Let them keep their own money. They would divide with me what they wanted to because they felt like they should. But that still wasn't good. You know, so it, it's a, it's a really, really, really roller coaster of a, of a lifestyle because you don't forget those things. And I, I, I I'm so afraid when people say, let's just take this girl or this boy out of their life. Then what are you going to replace it with? Right. Because that was truly my life from the time I got up in the morning to the time I went to sleep. It was organized what I needed to do, how much I needed to make, how I was going to make it. People don't get that. They think they think differently. I always thought that mine was better because mine had a sweeter ending, you mm-hmm. know, but it was still the same, you know, and and again, that wasn't good either. And so and you were still on drugs. Oh, yeah. That was why I did it. Why you did it. Yeah, absolutely. For the money. So how do you get out of all of this? You know what? I always had a foundation that was always that was laid way back when um, for my dad, you know, giving his life to Christ. And I was in church when I was younger. And, you know, so I had all of that. So I didn't I had more curiosity and vulnerability than I had um, poverty and and abuse at home. Right. So I didn't have those precursors. I had no business out in the street where Mm -hmm. I was at. However, that brought me back because that's why the stents of sobriety were very real with me. I would have a wake-up moment like, you know what, I know that I know better. And I would go to rehab, get myself together, mm-hmm. and, you know, and then run into somebody else, you know, that then changing in my man card, you know, thinking that that would be fulfilling for me. And then be, be, end up back on the street again because now I still didn't get what I wanted there, but I get what I want when I'm using these drugs. So yeah. it kind of that kept happening back and forth. Back and forth. Yeah. yeah. Because a lot of people, you know, that that question is well she got out well why did she go back yep you know people ask that yep i can, I can only speak for the people that i have the privilege of you know working with mm-hmm. now for the last five years these girls that are between the ages of 12 and 17 and then that same time frame with myself the reason why you keep going back because you haven't fulfilled the thing that keeps you from going back that love and acceptance it's still you're still trying to find it and you found it back then and you don't have to live up to anything out in the streets. You can be exactly who you want to be out there and there's no judgment. So then when you come back to the real world, people want to ask you questions that you don't even know the answer to. Right. They want to judge you, point fingers at you, talk about, you know, what they can do for you. But then your heart is saying, well, why didn't you do it then? You know, then you pull up that wall and you, know, and you don't want to talk about it and you act like it didn't happen. So then when pressure happens, yeah. you go back to what's familiar. Because nobody filled that void. So it's tough getting out. Yeah, mentally it mentally, is. Mentally, yeah. right. The, the mental part of it is the part that actually keeps people going. Because I've seen young ladies that are now young adults and now older women that have been a part of the life, but they still have the attributes of the life, right? They mm-hmm. still have the same conversation, the same slick talk, the same nonchalant way of doing things. Only thing they left behind was the drugs and the 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 guy that was trafficking them. They still are sleeping around. They still, you know, so a lot of the behavior is still there. And people fail to realize when people put it in one box and say, this guy, this girl has you out here doing it. But what if you come back out and become a renegade and you do it yourself? Are you not still trafficking? You, you still are. 
right. you know, but it's just in a different way. So there's so much more that we can uncover and dig into when it comes to all the different ways in which people are pulled in, dragged in, uh, saying yes and go in. Mm-hmm. But there's no cookie cutter. There's no one way in and one way out. There's multiple ways in, multiple ways out. Right. Yeah. Well, one thing that I'm grateful for is that you are helping women get out. Yeah. Women who have made the decision physically, you are helping them mentally, and you're really helping them physically, too. Yeah. You know, because they need a place, and uh, they need direction, and you're providing that now. So I I thank you for what you're doing. Yeah. I, every, every time I talk to you, it's like a new program, a new step, a new journey, <laughs> something. You know, I, you keep coming up with things that are really helping people, helping women, mainly women, but men are involved in this too. Absolutely. You're helping a lot of people. So, what I'm going to do is close this out because we're running out of time. And then we're going to come back. Okay. And we're going to do a part two because I want to talk about that journey from the life and to getting to the Nancy that I see here now. That's it. The Nancy who's smiling, who's happy, (laughs) who's blessed, who is blessing others. So Nancy Yarbrough, founder of Fresh Start Learning. We are going to continue our conversation in part two. I hope that you will join us for that. Just a reminder that uh, the 411 Live is embarking on a multi-part project talking about sex trafficking and spreading the healing from the trauma of trafficking. We need your help. We need your support. So will you please go to the 411live.org website and donate. Uh, Help us, support us, because we have a lot of things that we want to do and we need your help to do it. I know this community is giving, this community cares, so I'm not really concerned. I know that you will do it, and I know that you will help us. Thank you for joining us. I'm Beverly Taylor. This is the 411 Live, real people, real talk.